This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Lawrence Conley for the Axon Bulletin. Now if you're wondering where the third contributor is, who is normally here on a Tuesday, Natasha may be joining us at some point during the show. She is otherwise engaged at the moment. Lawrence Conley, welcome back. How are you? As well I am, mate. I hope you're well too. Yes, I am. I'm very well because it seems as though progress is being made uh, in world events, but not necessarily out of Celtic Park, unfortunately. Um, having a wee look at the, the kind of lack of movement, um, Lawrence, and I know that uh, sometimes you think, well, no news is good news, but under the circumstances, you know, 62 days uh, managerless, I know that John Kennedy's in there as an interim, and... Dominic Mackay has been at Celtic Park for eight days. If you want to have a quick look through the Celtic um, official channels, news sections, we're being reminded that the Celtic stores are reopening in Scotland. We're being reminded of the Player of the Year. Uh, you have to vote now for the 2021 Player of the Year. That's a serious vote. Uh, the number seven restaurant is now taking bookings. And of course, there is mention of the tremendous result from the women's team the other day. But no update on anything else. No communication, no engagement. Has anything changed or does everything remain the same here, Lawrence? I think that's the problem. There's no acknowledgement that they're even looking for a manager at times. You know, it's, you, you could set out a timescale, so look, you know, 
we're currently looking for a manager. It's progressing well. We're down to the final stages, and we don't expect the appointment appointment to be made until the summer. You know, holding statement, nice and easy, set people's expectations. If we appoint before the summer, everybody's happy. If we don't, well, you know, they've given us a timeline that we can follow. But to get nothing on it is is, is pretty poor, isn't it? You know, I think we've said before, just look at Aberdeen, they kind of gave holding statements and updates to their fans. We had a few issues during the, the, the season and, yeah, we, we, we're just not getting anything. But as you said, you know, Celtic stores are open, spend your money. Yeah, as are the restaurants. Uh, we're now taking bookings. Uh, and by the way, you know, it's just a, a simple form of communication. Communicate with these fans who are sitting at home watching virtual games, you know, not only that, but paying over and above that for the likes of Premier Sports, Sky Sports, BT Sports and various other club channels, Lawrence, and all the while basically being ignored um, as a fan base. And I just feel that, you know, nothing seems to have changed so far. And uh, even if it was uh, a communication of some kind of description, we wouldn't be having this conversation, you know. And that, I think the opportunity for that was last week with the arrival of Dominic Mackay. Yes, I know he's not in post as such, but it's quite clear that he's working hand in glove with others at the club to to try and oversee the rebuild and the recruitment of a number of staff. Uh, We will be talking about that because obviously it's it's a huge rebuild that we're going to be facing in the summer. But we'll start off with the manager. We'll start off with... um, Um, Why is the Eddie Howe deal stalling? Well, you know, over the piece, Lawrence, everybody on Axom said their own opinions on who should be pursued, who should never be even in the conversation. And I think that Eddie Howe, across the board, I'm not going to say universally, because no one, you know, pleases everyone uh, all the time. You can't please all the people all the time. Um, However, I think Eddie Howe has been the most popular choice amongst the Celtic support. Is it safe to say that, Lawrence? Yeah, least least controversial. I've not heard anyone say no way, no chance on him. Whereas some other people that have been popular have had that kind of adverse reaction as well. I've not seen any adverse comment on how yet. So why is it stalled? Who knows? You, you, you know, recruitment takes a while, but it's down to Celtic really to lay out a plan and say, as you said, Mackay walks in. We have the introduction to Mackay. Our next step is the head of football and the next step after that will be manager. Here's the time scales where we expect to make these announcements. You know, they're not leaking any information that no one knows. You know, we know we're in the market for a manager and a, someone to run the football side of the business for us. It's just setting expectations rather than, uh, it's a bit, almost a vacuum, isn't it? You know, I, it is, Lawrence. You know the big thing as well though, right, is I've got to take on board the fact that it's a particularly difficult scenario in the here and now for those at Celtic because you've got the prime candidate and I think everybody knows Eddie Howe's the prime candidate for the Celtic um, the Celtic job however there are intricacies in that deal in that Eddie Howe wants to bring his own team now all season we have criticised Celtic for not giving Neil Lennon his own team and I'm just talking his coaching team and obviously there's a much wider team when it comes to Eddie Howe and I think that that just goes hand in hand with you know managing in the Premiership in England you know sometimes your backroom team could be 8 to 17 I've heard as much as 17 you know to the point where when you're going to a game 
pre-COVID this is, Lawrence, where you normally could have travelled in one coach. There's another coach just for the staff. There's so many staff, and that's you know everybody from uh, the the dietitians right through to the uh, you know the analysis, the game analysis, as well as the coaches and everything else in between. So we get all that, and I think that if we go for Eddie Howe, we're also saying well we need to make that investment not only in Eddie Howe but in all these other staff members. And there's an issue in that when a number of those staff members are currently employed by Bournemouth who are chasing promotion and then you've got an issue well they're chasing the playoffs rather you've got an issue in that they're maybe looking at if we win in the playoffs and we get into the the EPL then obviously they're in line for bonuses etc and that muddies the water somehow somewhat so is there a degree of sympathy in relation to this as well as just saying get the deal done no because I think you're mixing two things up there so there's a structure and then there's individuals so what we should be doing is agreeing a structure and then look at individuals to f- fill those positions. So if Eddie Howes has said I need 10 people, and it wouldn't be one extra coach for Celtic, that would be six extra coaches, I think, under the Scottish Government uh, reassessment of the rules. So the structure is what we need to agree with how. Because mm-hmm. look, there's no guarantee that these people, as you say, if they're employed, would want to leave. There's other things going on. So it's really agreeing the structure, first of all, I think. Once you've got that in place, it's then targeting the personnel. So, you know, if Eddie Howe can't get his dietitian to come, or his, his preferred dietitian to come, does that mean the deal's off? If Celtics agree they can have a dietitian and he's going to be involved in the hiring of it. So I think it's two separate things. We should get the structure announced or agreed on what we're looking for, and then the personnel should, should follow that. When you're looking at um, the you know, the outpouring on a daily basis from Celtic supporters like yourself, Lawrence, and obviously trying to turn the screw on this one and constantly being fed uh, the um, ab- nothing from the club, absolutely nothing, you then start looking at what if, the what if scenarios of uh, when do we move on? When do we move on from Eddie Howe? You know, because it is a situation where, and we'll get into some of the restructuring uh, and the rebuilding of the club, but there was a, there was a story dropped the other week there and the, the story was in relation to Mourinho um, and when I seen that initially I thought to myself you know I think it's been uh, dropped in there to apply pressure on the number one candidate because I don't think Celtic would see Mourinho and I don't think Mourinho would see Celtic as something that they would want to pursue Lauren so I think you know there was a, maybe a wee bit of chicanery there uh, dropping in a name to try and speed up the process if Mourinho doesn't see Celtic as a possible destination and, and, and Celtic doesn't see Mourinho as a possible manager, you'd think anyone within the game, would, if that's true, would know that to be true. So it wouldn't apply any pressure at all then. You know? <laughs> because if it, if it's that sort of an idea, the guy's going to go, well, that's never going to happen. So I, I wouldn't see any pressure get applied there at all. And, you know, never say never. Trapatoni was never going to manage Ireland, was he? You know, it's kind of... Who knows? And if Celtic haven't asked the question of Mourinho, it's going to, you know, why not? It's, it's, it's one of those ones. He's one of the best managers in world football. He's suddenly become available. You know, why wouldn't you, you sound them out? Would you? I know, now, before, I, before I came on, Lawrence, uh, I had a wee discussion about that because, you know, when you look at his um, CV, 
and you look at the clubs that he's managed, you look at the successes he has had in his managerial career, you think that's a no-brainer and, and then people laugh at you even if you try and link him to Celtic because they think you'd never get him. But realistically, would you go for him? Because I, I'm, I'm basically looking at one simple fact about Mourinho and it's that he's never managed at any one club for more than three years. So I just think it would be short-termism and I don't think that's where we are at the moment as a football club. So, so I, I, I wouldn't take that short terrorism. You know, Strachan says, you know, three years of kind of sell, shelf life as a manager at a club like Celtic. If that's the plan, we, you know, we need to have a long-term plan and, and whether that needs to get rotated. Like some people say, the board member should be cleared out in the non-exec every five years. Mm. They should be staying on longer than that because it leads to complacency uh, within a board. Perhaps, you know, that's what we've suffered from. So, if it is the structure is that managers at that level look to move on every three years, is there something wrong with that? You know, would we get Mourinho? Go, I seem to remember you tell me a story about when you, you heard the Brendan Rodgers rumour you were laughed out of town when you told people you'll never get Brendan Rodgers. So, yeah. it's, it's getting a, and, and how long would Brendan really stay at a club? You know, and he moved on and Obviously, we, we didn't enjoy the way he moved and taking everyone with him, bar John Kennedy. You know, but we got nine million quid that kind of softened the blow a bit. And I, I suppose if that was more managing, your expectation was to do that after three years, at least you could be a bit better prepared for it. You know, you, you brought him up, so I'm going to run with it, Lawrence. You brought up Brendan Rogers. you brought up the nine million quid. My biggest issue with that is we didn't invest it in another management. Uh, structure. You, we didn't go out and get a manager and a manage, managerial backroom team of a similar standard, of a £9 million standard. Yeah, that was my biggest issue with that. Yeah, but we've got disco lights and Russell's got somewhere to wear that jacket to now with the disco lights in place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, what, what do you really want more than disco lights? Well, the thing with the, the jacket, if anyone didn't tune into the, the women's coverage, the Celtic women's coverage that Lawrence and I were both involved in the other day, great result against Hibs, Lawrence, I'm not just saying it, um, yeah. for, you know, to be politically correct, I really enjoy the game. We're going to continue covering the games as well, whenever they're live on BBC Alba. Uh, but uh, Fran Alonso turned up in some get-up. It was a red sweater well, with a white blazer. And... Um, Upon winning the game 3-1, Russell was able to go into his wardrobe and pull out a white blazer, which really impressed me. Um, Of the five people involved, I didn't think it would have been Russell, but yeah, he did it. So uh, I'm not quite sure where the blazer came from, but Fran Alonso is doing a cracking job. But on the subject of Brendan Rodgers, he did give a very interesting um, interview to Jamie Carragher. Uh, I don't know if you're a big fan of Carragher as a pundit. Um, I I don't mind him, if I'm being honest, but he did ask a question. He asked a question uh, when he moved from Celtic to Leicester, because obviously Leicester are flying high. Brendan Rodgers is showing down there what he is capable of as a manager. This is a team that is leading to an FA Cup final. He's leading them into the Champions League. And, you know, you watch from afar and you think back to what might have been. Uh, There was a big bit of criticism, obviously, when he left. A lot of Celtic fans were critical. And he said that it was his head ruling his heart when he left Celtic. What did you make of these comments? I know he's made a few comments over over the piece since he left. Brendan, has the blow ever, ever been softened for you on the Brendan Rodgers subject? For me, it's the same the season out. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was the thing. I think that's what kind of... Stephen left at the end of the season. I don't think there'd have been any criticism at all from Celtic fans. 
I think we all know that uh, there was a lot of interfering going on, signing targets missed out, deals changed when Brendan thought they'd been so up for players that he'd identified. So we can understand why he wanted to leave and I think we've had other managers want to leave for similar, similar reasons in the past. So... This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah, I think it's when he left and the way he left, you know, with the big game coming up against Hearts away at Tynecastle, and Brendan just says, I'll just take everybody and walk out. You know, it was, it's not really the way to do it, is it? You know, see the season out. Or at least, you know, if you don't take everyone. You, you allow some kind of people to stay on a bit longer and perhaps manage that game for you. But I just think everyone was part of the problem. Did he try Did he try and take John Kennedy with him? Has that ever been confirmed? I'm uh, not, mate. There's a rumour of it, but it's not been confirmed. But, hmm. uh, I just, I just feel that you know Celtic as a club have been very loyal to John Kennedy, you know, and uh, we're seeing him in a position which I don't think he can fulfil. I personally don't think that he's at that level, and he may go away somewhere else and develop as a manager and as a coach, Lawrence. And you know, five years later, we we would maybe welcome him back. Who knows what might happen? But I don't think he's shown enough um, at Celtic to to prove that he is worthy of that kind of standing. But the club have been particularly loyal to him. I mean, he's he's been part of the regimes under Ronnie Dyla, Brendan Rodgers, Neil Lennon, and now he's interim boss. And um, there's also rumours flying around, and the reason you brought up Brendan Rodgers, I'm just running with it, Lawrence. Um, yeah. So there's there's rumours around the fact that, you know, he still rates him highly, wants him down at Leicester. Do you think that Rodgers will come up on a, a scouting mission to Celtic, uh, possibly for players such as Callum McGregor as well? Odson Edward has been linked to Leicester. Do you still see some of our, our top players out with the three that we are expecting to leave to be targets uh, of clubs like Leicester City? Yeah, I think definitely. I think Rogers, he knows the quality up here. Uh, I think there's like Armstrong, Van Dyke, Tierney have, I suppose, proven the quality within Celtic that can easily adapt to the, to the Premiership. So clubs not looking up here. I think it would be foolish not to look up. So it's targeting, you know, who is it? Surely Christie's got to be. And there isn't he? You know, contract runs out fairly, fairly soon. So people mm. could be looking to pick up a bargain. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Kennedy's a strange one. When, when Rogers left, he was immediately appointed to assistant manager when we didn't have a manager, which was a bit bizarre. You know, how did you know the incoming manager was going to want him as assistant? Yeah. Was, who yeah. was making that? Well, I think it was probably Peter that made that decision, you know, and it's, it, it was a strange one. Right. Let's go to some of the comments coming in on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter, Lawrence, because part of the... Uh, the fun of the Axon Bulletin is getting everybody involved. That's what I enjoy. And we don't always have that opportunity. Uh, but David Bradley is joining us on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, 
as I keep saying, make sure you subscribe. We are producing content on a daily basis. And David says, my man Desmond, still on a huff with the fans, get the finger out. I remember, you know, when Desmond came out with his very rare uh, words, which I think appeared on the Celtic website. Um, he was prompted to do that, I believe, through the criticism that had been levied at him by Brian Dempsey, former director of Celtic back in the 90s. And, you know, if one director gets him to react in such a way, Lawrence, I feel that, you know, the amount of calls for Celtic, not just you know, Dermot Desmond, but Celtic as a club, uh, to be far more engaging with the, with their fan base. The amount of calls we've heard this season, you know, and for there to still be radio silence out of Celtic Park, I feel very let down as a Celtic supporter. And, you know, anyone who has had to watch the game on the virtual season pass, plus all the other um, extras you've had to pay out, you know, it gets to that point. We've made suggestions. We've invited Peter Lowell onto this broadcast. And, you know, we've even said that why not address the fans before a game when every season ticket holder, certainly earlier in the season, would have been logging in. I'm not sure how many have, have stopped logging in. Um, we certainly watch every single game other than the Aberdeen game away because we weren't prepared to pay another 12.99 for it once. So, you know, at what stage... Uh, can Celtic fans prompt someone like Dermot Desmond, someone like Peter Lowell to actually come out? Dominic Mackay, would you expect some form of communication from him? Uh, why not? I mean, there is a, a big event tomorrow night, and I think that this reminds me uh, in part um, of what we did in December, Lawrence, where we were able to pull together 20 different Celtic podcasts uh, for a charity event back in December. We hosted it on Axon, and it showed that the platform could be used to bring fans, fan groups uh, together. So tomorrow night, there is going to be uh, a large event, and I, I would uh, implore everyone to get involved in the event. We are going to broadcast it on Axon, and we're going to have representation from Celtic Shared, we're going to have the Celtic Trust, but we're also going to have six other Celtic platforms who are going to come in in banks of three. Uh, There's going to be a discussion point there, Lawrence, Uh, but it is going to be a live and interactive discussion so people can comment, people can ask questions around the Shares for Value initiative that's been set up um, in conjunction with Celtic Shared and the Celtic Trust. So... That shows you how easy it is to actually pull people together using some technology, Lawrence, and talk and share ideas and communicate and debate. Why is the club not doing it? It's a complete mystery. They don't seem to have any communication strategy at all. Even when they release something, they don't then seem to have a plan for the follow-up. You know, they release some information, they don't think, well, how's this going to be received? What are we going to do? How will we follow up? You'd hope Mackay will address that. He's got a background in, in PR and communication, so you'd hope that's one of the weaknesses that Celtic have identified it. And one of the reasons Mackay's got the job, you know, he's particularly strong on that, that side of it. Just continually refusing to engage with, with fans seems to, you know, it, it takes you back to kind of pre Tommy Burns days, and then Burns, you know, started, right, players need to attend the dances again. You know, if we went to the cup, we're going to drive down Dunn Street, we're going to drive through Borders down Dunn Street after that and up to Celtic Park. You know, the old route of the cup winning teams start getting that fan engagement back. And it's the amount of goodwill that it generates is unbelievable. But, you know, you, you speak to Kev Graham and he said, Gosh, you know, you get a player along to your end of season dance or, or club event, 
what is that? You know, I think they can at the time and made it part of their contracts that they'd have to turn up. Seem to remember, you know, if you bought a certain level of shares, it was up to Cath Cambray's golf club for, for a golf day with them. But just now it just seems absolutely nothing. No no engagement other than restaurants open, shops open, come and spend your money. Yeah, uh, the, the big thing is, Lawrence, and we totally appreciate how much the game's changed. And back in the day, and we look back uh, romantically at these ideas of players turning up for CSE's events, and Billy McNeil was big on that when he was a manager. And we appreciate that things and times have changed. Um, but what we're talking about is, so has technology. So embrace the technology um, and use that as a means of engaging with the fan base. During a season where basically we've just been kept in the dark yeah, you know, um, for long, long periods, with no communication whatsoever, and any communication comes out and it's lacklustre um, and it's contrived and, you know, it can't be challenged. Nobody's there. It's not interactive. You know, it's a one-way communication. So it's ineffective in that respect, Lawrence. So, you know, we'll keep banging that drum, but I would say also as a caveat, uh, going back to a point you made in relation to Dominic Mackay and the way that he approaches uh, or has certainly approached in the past his positions is with a, a view on uh, fan engagement. And we know that he has contacted Celtic supporters who have told us that Dominic Mackay has contacted them directly already before he was in position uh, to speak to them and to engage with them and I, I think that's really positive and long may that continue Lawrence will you be joining us even as a commenter tomorrow night uh, at the Celtic Shared Celtic Trust event yes more than likely mate. more than likely uh, you know we'll talk about extra value and how, and how can the club redress Something that the older supporters base in the season ticket holders, mm. and there, there seems, seems to be the club have no idea, and it can't be that we'll do nothing. They need to come up with some proposal. So, obviously, Celtic Trust has come up with this proposal. Well, if that's not suitable, communicate it's not suitable, and what you're going to do instead? Yeah, yeah. Why aren't Celtic going to send a rep- representative with a faulty JP again? You know, he, he seems to be having to pick up a lot, doesn't he? Well, I, I would suggest tomorrow night is an ideal, an ideal opportunity, Lawrence, for a representative of the club to come into something, some kind of arena like this, whereby you don't just have a Celtic state of mind. You're going to have another, an additional six platforms, so seven in total, plus Celtic shared, plus the Celtic trust. Why not have someone from the club coming in and actually engaging with us as, as a number of groups? And not just with those who are appearing on the screen. Engage in the interactive comments, because someone can monitor them for the one and a half hours that the show's going to be on and put some of the more challenging questions to the club, it's an ideal. It's an ideal opportunity, isn't it? Well, if you look at the club, if we have a, an annual sh- shareholders meeting to take questions from the shareholders, but where does the real value from the club come? It comes from supporters. So where's that annual event to take questions from supporters and ideas from mm-hmm. supporters, or monthly event, or, or you know, a bi-monthly, or, or six-monthly, whatever it is. And I think the club really needs to look at that. You know, if the value is your customer base, your supporters. How do you engage with them other than saying the shops open and the restaurants open? It, it can't be your only engagement. You know, why aren't you having the focus group meetings with them, seeing how communication strategies work with them? Why aren't you having, you know, in tandem with your shareholders meeting, having an annual open support supporters meeting? And it's okay, kind of going to We speak to the association, we speak to them, listen, have an open forum, use technology like this, have an open, transparent, People can watch it, even if they're not asking questions, and they get a, you know 
a greater feeling that they've been listened to. Mm-hmm. See, the big thing as well that I've learned over the years, Lawrence, um, as most people that listen into a Celtic state of mind will know, I'm not Glasgow-based. I reside in Dunfermline by geographical default. That's where I stay. Uh, but... As everybody knows, and I don't have to explain it to you, uh, you don't choose your football team when it comes to Celtic. And um, I could probably have a whole podcast on the reasons that I support the club. Um, However, when I look at the associations and the uh, affiliations, I don't, you know, I'm not part of any of that because I, at this moment and for some time, aren't part of an actual supporters club. I have been a member of Celtic supporters clubs in the past. I've travelled with various buses over the years, going right back to the the early 90s uh, on a a bus that was called Ding's Bus from Oakley. You know, and I've been on all these different buses, uh, Lawrence, and members of Celtic supporters clubs. But if I'm not a member of a club, that means I'm not part of an association or an affiliation doesn't make me any less of a Celtic fan. So we need to really embrace the modern technology where we're able to bring groups together like tomorrow night. And this isn't just me going on a rant to promote tomorrow night's event um, because it doesn't matter if you're part of a supporters club but it doesn't matter where you're based. And, and in many ways, for me, it doesn't even matter if you're a Celtic season ticket holder because I've had loads of comments coming in about uh, the fact that um, you're not entitled to make a, a, a point or you're not entitled to be a contributor on a Celtic state of mind if you're not a Celtic season ticket holder. I don't subscribe to any of that. You're a Celtic supporter, therefore you're, you're entitled to air your views. Yeah, it's, I think so. You know, Celtic doesn't, you know, doesn't belong to any one support in particular, does it? You know, it's a group of people that support Celtic that, that make the club. So everyone's entitled to, to a view. You don't need to agree with them, you know, but everyone's entitled to, to hold it as long as it's legal to hold. Uh, you know, the, the more views that the merrier, sometimes, you know, perhaps give the clubs some ideas they could pick up on and say, you know mm. what, that supporter's got a good idea. Why don't we implement that? You, you think know, back. I'm not talking about the Celtic View competitions or the the <laughs> I was just going to mention that actually. You think back to the the way that uh, the club used to communicate and the way that it has historically communicated with the fan base. Um, never before now has it been so easy to communicate with the fans. You know, you, you think back to the, the, the days of the Celtic View, for example, you brought it up, Lawrence, 1965, Jack McGinn has this brainchild, which is the Celtic View. And to be honest, you've got to give him a great deal of credit for uh, having the, the kind of foresight um, in terms of club media back then. You know, it was it was a, a proper front runner. Um, he was a bit of a trailblazer in that respect, and it still is the oldest weekly club magazine in world football. But even then, I mean, it was, it was a, you know, it was a bit like Pravda, as not the view called it, um, about 30 years later, 20 years later. It was a bit like Pravda selling this this kind of idea. And the only way you could communicate is by writing a letter and sending it in. And even then, 90% of the letters were written by staff members of Celtic, I think, with pseudonyms. Uh, but now we're, we're beyond all that. We've got the technological advance um, to kind of call on and say, well, I'll click a button. Let's talk. I mean, what do you think? We've obviously approached the club previously, Lawrence, and, you know, we were given a kind of holding response and then no response. Um, you know, at what point will we will be there and say, well, we're not part of an affiliation or an association because we're not a member of a, a CSC. However, I'm a season ticket holder and I want to talk to someone at the club. Will it ever happen? 
Should do. You know, this stuff shouldn't be hard for them. You know what I mean? Listen, these are our customers. This is how we segregate them up. There's going to be a subset that season but bit holders, not member associations and not member a sports club. But not hard to work out. How do we then communicate with them? It, you know, and having a published communication strategy, you know, it's not a bad idea for the club, is it? Saying, look, this is how we're going to communicate with people. We'll have weekly updates, we'll have whatever. You know, this is when you'll get your chance to ask questions or just come in and say, listen, we don't take questions from customers or supporters. If that's what you want to do, rather than, you know, if that's what you want to be your strategy, you know, let people know. The big thing you mentioned there about a competition to design a new kit, a new kit. I actually, if you want to dig through all your old copies of the Celtic View, I'm in it. One of my designs made it. It was a black and green effort for the new Celtic away jersey. So I'm in there. And that was way back in the early 90s, so um, probably about 92, 93. So I want to dig that out, or maybe not, because I think it was a horrific design um, with felt-tip pens. But it got published, Lawrence. Now, Caplow uh, Mark comes in, worryingly drawn out. Surely there is some agreement already in place, and it's legalities that are holding up announcing. And I think the, the point was made yesterday by Tony, that uh, you know he's given um, the club some form of trust that this is the case, and there are things are happening behind the scenes um, in relation to the movement and you know some of the other comments coming in David Bradley reckons that Celtic are too big for Eddie Howe and I've seen that view quite a bit I think that the thing that attracts me to Eddie Howe Lawrence is the fact that you know when you look at the job that he did at Bournemouth, the project, if you like. It was a long-term project. And, you know, I think that people always go on about, what about his time at Burnley? What about, you know, the fact that he left him in relegation uh, position in the league, etc.? And I think that the Burnley situation, he's spoken about that. There's a few good interviews where he speaks about the reasons that he left Burnley. Um, because people are taking it as, as read that he couldn't move away from Bournemouth, Lawrence. He, you know, that's the only place where he's comfortable. A club like Celtic would be too big for him um, but it came down to the fact that you know, one of his parents died and he wanted to get back home and it, there was personal issues uh, around his move so I don't know David I, I think that what we will certainly see about Eddie Howe is we will see him back in football very very soon Lawrence and if it's not a Celtic I think it will be a reasonable club down south at this moment in time I think that uh, one of the big selling points we have as a club though is that we can give them a much higher entry point you know, I think Brendan Rodgers is a prime example, Lawrence, right? So people might say, well, he came out at Liverpool, went back in as Leicester. But when he came out at Liverpool... This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, he didn't win the league uh, with Liverpool. He'd been out of the game for about a year. And, um, you know, to get back into uh, the English division, which was his ambition, of course it was, he came to Celtic. 
So there are some similarities there. But I've said before, I think that if Eddie Howe goes back to English football right now and you look at the level that he's going to enter that league at, a successful stint at Celtic is going to benefit him, surely. You think so? Listen, with the European Super League as well, people pull it out. I know the Perez has said, you know, the clubs are committed, they can't legally pull out. People have got to wonder what's going to be happening in top-level football. Surely Celtic's going to uh, give a more opportunity than a club at the bottom of the Premier League. Yeah. Listen, if it's stolen, is it Eddie Howe? Why can't they announce anything? It's frustrating that Celtic just won't publish a, a timescale, won't let us know any communication. It's the no communication. You know, yes. it, we're not expecting them to tell us exactly where they are in their negotiations with Eddie Howe. Of course we're not. In fact, they can't even tell us at this stage through the non-disclosure agreement I'm sure they've got with Eddie Howe that they're in discussions with him. But come out and talk to us about, on a general level, where we are in terms of getting a manager in. Yeah, I mean, you've got to worry about Celtic. Their NDA should have been uh, slanted for them. They're the ones doing the hiring, let's be honest. Uh, they, they should have been writing that. Uh, NDA, but yeah, they, they should have put a timescale in front of us and said, "Look, you know," and it should have come out probably the week within a week of Lenny leaving. Going, you know, this is what we're going to work to. This is the the expectation set because they must have sat, sat down with a recruitment plan or whoever's ha- ha- handling the hiring must have sat down and go, "Right, this is what we're looking to achieve. This is how long we think it will take to get a shortlist. You know, this will be interview negotiations. There's a timescale. There's when we'll expect to announce." And you'll give updates along the way here, mm-hmm. here, here, and here, and that'll keep the fans engaged and the feel as a you know a part of the club. Exactly. Now, Lawrence, you would have expected that within a week. Sixty-two days later, uh, still no manager. Eight days into Dominic Mackay arriving at Celtic early, still no communication. We will continue to talk about this until the situation changes. But in the meantime, people will speculate. That That is part and parcel of football. Uh, when we're doing a daily broadcast, we will always talk about the topical views. But a name that keeps coming back, um, and OK Boy, OB Boy says, definitely not Jack Ross. Uh, uh, Paul McLean says, there's always Jack Ross. And, you know... When it comes down to other options that are available, there will be numerous options. I've uh, spoken in the past about you know what we might even be in discussions with a manager that hasn't uh, been mentioned in any of the press, Lawrence. You know there may well be a rabbit coming out of a hat sometime soon. Uh, I was going to say big game this weekend. Well, it is a big game. Of course, it's a big game. When we look at um, any Celtic Rangers game, Lawrence, and uh, even though the league is gone and there's nothing more for Celtic to play for other than this professional pride that we've spoken about I would add in a wee bit of needle and I would say let's put this invincible tag to bed once and for all because you know yes they're unbeaten in the league they've been knocked out two cups and what I would hope is that Celtic are able to use that as motivation the fact that no one else beating them in the league uh, we had that magnificent invincible season in the first term under Brendan Rodgers Lawrence let's put this chat to bed let's go out there um, and you know actually make sure it's not the first season in 20 years that we haven't beaten a Rangers side in an entire season when they've been in our league yeah uh, yeah as you said, did you, if you need an extra motivation, that's probably it. But then there's a question: why do you why do you need the extra motivation? You know, it's 
I suppose it's Glasgow Derby. Uh, you might have some of the players looking at the past few games have look, been a bit unlucky. We've had plenty of chances. So, yeah, you, 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 there's a few players there that could, you could see was a performance, but at the same time, perhaps John Kennedy's thinking of when I've played it safe, maybe it's time to change things up a bit and, and, and try something out. You know, the sorrow come back in. Does he change the, the formation? I don't know. Does Eddie keep a place with it? You know, what's the point of keep, keeping playing Eddie? It's getting to that stage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I know he's a great player and probably one of the most talented at the club, but he's, he's certainly not doing it on the park. I'm going to talk to you about Eddie and a few of the other areas that I think are going to be very interesting when we see the team lines out. Will it just um, go back to the norm, Lawrence, where it's very predictable as it had become, uh, you know, previous to Kennedy taking over? Or will there be a few changes afoot? Uh, because obviously, you know, it's not as though we've been, you know, free scoring, rip roaring, never boring Celtic, to quote Anthony Haggerty. Um, I'm going to go through some more of these points that are coming through. The do abides. Why do we care so much about a player coming out reading a script about how much he loves the fans? Now, I'm just picking up on this conversation and I guess it's all around the kind of um, the official output that we get from the club. So if you were to look at the, the YouTube channel, for example, at the moment, it's very much like pre-match press conference, post-match press conference, uh, the angle behind the goal uh, for the, any goals that Celtic score, and little else, Lawrence. It's all very uh, laboured at the moment. There isn't much in the way of creativity in terms of the output, whereas um, we're, we're also getting a comment coming in from Stevie Dock. Every week it's slagging the club. I don't know if you're talking about a Celtic state of mind. This isn't slagging the club, Stevie. This is looking at the situation as it currently stands at the club and passing comment and having an opinion on it. It's not slagging the club. Uh, should have done all this when winning treble trebles and quadruple trebles or was the club OK then? Well, no, the club wasn't OK across the board. But when you're winning treble trebles, for example, get back to you in a quadruple treble in a second. Um, and I've said this many, many times. Your success, Lawrence, masks a million deficiencies but all you need to do Stevie we've been running the podcast for four years go back to some of the earlier episodes the club were not beyond criticism back then so um, whenever there's been anything going wrong at the club uh, we have criticised it, we have challenged it and we'll continue to do it um, yeah it's going to be more prevalent when you look at the season we've had this season Lawrence, I mean we've been particularly poor, on and off the park, um, and in particular with the engagement with the fan base under the circumstances that should have been a lot better. As Celtic football fans, we are entitled to air those views. You can disagree with them, Stevie, but what I would say is, in relation to um, where we are in terms of the Celtic state of mind and where we were when we were winning trebles, we criticised the club where it was necessary. So, uh, was everything at the club okay then? No, it wasn't. But you've got to remember that when you're winning on the park, um, you know, the focus is going to be far more on that. That's only natural. But uh, we certainly didn't ignore anything that was going wrong at the club, Lawrence. And as I say, you know, four years we've been doing a Celtic state of mind now. We've seen some great successes. Only in December, you joined me for the, the cup final against Hearts. We won a quadruple treble in December, four months later. And here we are, you know, and that, that is why it's so difficult as Celtic fans to take. But you don't just take it lying down, you challenge it. You ask the question, how do, does this get better? A Celtic state of mind doesn't come on every day to slag the club. 
I'm sorry, that just is incorrect. That's not what we do. Uh, we come on and give uh, balanced and reasoned uh, arguments and debates around every aspect of the club, be that a victory, the women's team, what's happening with the board, their uh, disengagement with the fan base. You know, every single nuance of Celtic Football Club is discussed on this broadcast. And it's not just about criticising the club, is it, Lawrence? No, listen, definitely not, but you've got to pass comment and stuff, especially when the club appear to be continually getting it wrong and don't seem to be learning from it. It's so no one, you know, if it's don't criticise the club and the club always above criticism, should should we just be quiet and just, you know, it doesn't matter what the way Celtics run, we'll be quiet. Because I seem to remember, you know, the sack of old movement, save ourselves. Mm-hmm. Back going to games. What would have happened if we'd been quiet then? Exactly. I mean, we've we've spoken to members of uh, some of the earlier groups as well. Uh, Celts for Change and Save Ourselves. Uh, Save Ourselves were the, the, the precursor to Celts for Change. And we've spoken to various members of these groups, Lawrence, and, you know, they were challenged a, a board that had had it their own way. Um, you know, and it was a dynasty. It was a dynasty of families uh, that, you know, were at a stage with the football club where they couldn't progress the club. They could not meet the demands of the Taylor Report in terms of the stadium. Um, they were not able to raise enough finance to challenge a, a financially um, rampant Rangers back then. We didn't have the ability to go out and get the kind of finance and, and match the signing policies that they had at that time. Um, and we needed change. And that change started as with a street movement, Lawrence. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So as Celtic supporters you should actually wear that as a badge of honour we're not criticising the club for the sake of it we're criticising it because of the issues that the club have um, it's unravelled really dramatically this season we also speak to other people um, who and involved in other areas of the club. You know, we spoke to David Lowe last week about uh, exactly where we are as a football club and how we can move forward on that. Um, and he touched on the Celtic shared situation um, that Celtic Trust are involved in, with David being the chairman of the Celtic Trust, of course. So, no, it's as balanced as it possibly can be. And I think what happens is, you know, one person says, I, I spoke to someone I know really well uh, fairly recently. Lawrence and he said to me you know this is someone I've known for about 11 years and he just said that Axom's like all the other podcasts all we do is slag the club I says well you've not listened to it then you know because I'm not just going to take that criticism yeah you're free to criticise of course you are but it doesn't mean to say you don't have a right to reply Lawrence you know especially when the criticism is is inaccurate so you're always going to have that right to reply so I welcome everybody to get involved in the comment section but it doesn't mean to say that I'm going to agree with everybody no, t- totally. You know, if the club are doing something well, you know, we're more than happy to point it out. You know, Russell's on the front of Alonso bus. He's driving it. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be in fourth, you know, for the game. But uh, no, if, it, if they do something well, we cover it. If they do something badly, you know, we're going to commentate. You've got to. I mean, and that's because you want the best for the club. It's not, you know, a clickbait scenario, right? And this is another thing. Clickbait is, you know, there there is enough uh, sites out there that create no original content whatsoever. They scour the internet for news sources. They reword them sometimes and put them on their own site. And they do that for ad revenue. And a lot of these people who have clickbait sites are making thousands and thousands of pounds every month by doing that. This is reasoned debate with, you know, a panel of contributors, Lawrence, um, at the moment 
which totals 13, which means you're not getting the same kind of echo chamber on a day-by-day basis. I used to present the show every single day. I had a concern that it might have been a mouthpiece for me if that continued because I, I could potentially influence what people were thinking because I was on it every day. So... I'm not on it every day, I'm on it twice a week. So it's as balanced as it can possibly be. We listen to all the feedback and we make the changes where required, but some of the criticism doesn't carry any weight, unfortunately. Uh, Michelle Sharon, if that's the way you pronounce your, your name, thanks for getting involved. Oakley, I remember lads from Oakley during the miners' strike. Staunch. Well, you rem- might remember my dad because he was involved in the miners' strike as well and um, he still stays just down the road for Oakley. Good mining stock, Lawrence Connolly. Um, we've been talking about the Rangers game. I'm looking at a couple of the options that we have. Some of the changes that, you know, when John Kennedy took over, and the league hadn't officially been lost. But we all knew it was gone. We were never going to claw that back. And we were saying at that time, maybe we should assess players who are definitely um, going to be here next season or there is a chance that they're going to be here next season. And the players that I was speaking about is, for example, Soro. So I said, you know, why not play Soro? He came into the team against Lille in Europe, thrown in, performed really well, went on a really good running form. Then he was unfortunate with illness and a wee bit of injury and he's never really got back into the side. And at that point, Lawrence, and again, this is another thing about appearing on a Celtic state of mind, you can't lie because you can just watch it and see if I did say this, play Sorrow. And I wanted Sorrow to be playing from Kennedy coming in to the end of the season. Give him the games, Lawrence. Help his development. Assess him for next season. And a couple of other guys that I mentioned at that time, you know, was um, Barkas and Ayeti. Because, you know, there's an investment there of 10 million quid. Have we already written that off? Because it seems as though we have, because they're not playing or starting games. Um, There's news this morning around Barkas having interest from clubs in Greece. I'm not surprised that he does. He's an international goalkeeper with European experience. He's won the league in Greece. You know, he'll get a return move to Greece. This season will be written off. He didn't settle in Scotland during COVID and his career will continue. But what if there is a goalkeeper in there? You know, we don't know. We actually don't know because we haven't assessed them, you know, after the pandemonium of the beginning of the season and how poor everything was going for us. We've not looked at Barkas, we've not looked at Ayeti, we haven't looked at Sorrow. Are any of these players, do you think, in John Kennedy's thoughts for a start at the weekend? I don't think they are, you know, which is, is different from whether they should be or not. Uh, I'm hoping James is fit to start, though, uh, which would certainly change stuff. Let's be honest, we haven't had any width all season with Jamesy and Mikey being out, which leaves our full-backs with a lot to do, which is probably why they look so, so poor, because they're not capable of doing that, that, that kind of tier tier the role, you know, doing all the attacking and all the defending on that side of the park. These guys just don't have the engine or, or don't have the ability to do it. So, listen, we're, we're, I'm hoping that Jamesy starts. I'm hoping we see Sorrow. But... I don't think John will, will, will change it. I think he'll play safe. And to be honest, I'm not too sure what, what benefit he's getting from from playing safe. I, I just don't see what the, the payout is for him. You know, he, he's getting in here really with nothing to lose, isn't he? You know, if he goes in and tries something and it works, it's John Kennedy master. So if he just plays the same stuff and it works, he's going, well, that, that's just the same way Lenny was playing it. So he's not getting anything, any benefit from that. If he plays the same stuff and doesn't work, well, he didn't try anything. It didn't work. So, the only thing that, you know, really raises his stock significantly if he goes in and tries something different. 
They say, well, that was John Kennedy that tried that different, and it's worked. I think if everything stays the same, it doesn't really raise Kennedy's profile or, or shows what, what he's capable of is in that manager position. But, yeah, mate, I'd love to see Sorrow win again. Uh, but it's a strange one. Why, I mean, why is he's not been trying some of these players for long? Mm. I remember when the Gleeson came over as caretaker. Yeah. He bled a few of the young boys into the team. At least we got a look at him. You were able to assess them and go, you know what? Not going to cut it, going to cut it. Listen, and some of the boys that have been in the club for a long while, at least they got a taste of it and could, could at least say, look, Celtic gave me a fair crack of the whip. Uh, you know, I got a few games and I, I didn't do it. Which, when you look at recruitment policy within Scotland, young boys joined their club. You know, we've already had Harper go back to MLS because it can't really get a chance at Celtic. Can't really mm. get a chance. So, mm-hmm. if we could see, well, you know, then season games when the leagues won, at least they're going to give players a chance then. Or at least I know I'm anyway getting a chance. See the, but, the, class, the classic close. examples, Dembele. Now, you know, I, I'm looking at the, the situation, the, the curious case of Karamoko. And, you know, we've, we've known all about this kid from a very, very young age. You know, he, he's lived in this bubble Lawrence of trying to develop as a footballer whilst he's a household name almost among Celtic kind of circles and you know far far younger than he probably should have done we knew about him when he was 13 years of age you know and that that really isn't right it's great to keep an eye on the youth development but a lot of pressure on on the kid but he developed he made his debut at 16 he made his European debut at 16 he's played for Scotland underaged England underaged he sat on the bench in the Scottish Cup final in the uh, the first game against Hart, second the second treble winning season, so you're looking at these situations. Uh, sorry, that was a third. Uh, you know, there's so many trebles you sometimes lose track. Aberdeen, Motherwell, Hearts, and Hearts. Right, it was a third one. Um, but then his development hit a brick wall. Now, like everybody else, you hear all the kind of chat and the gossip and the fact that he was offered a loan deal that he didn't take. Um, there was obviously an issue in relation to his relationship with Neil Lennon because he basically didn't play. He just didn't play. So his development has hit a brick wall this season. But we've been crying out for a bit of width on the right-hand side, particularly on the right-hand side because James Forrest has had a long-term injury. And only against Aberdeen last midweek did he get a wee wee chance to go in and show us what he can do. And then you you look at that and you think, well, he actually performed pretty well when he came on, Lawrence. Where's that been all season? Give these guys a chance. Yeah, I mean, especially kind of getting the white players on it, it changes the part for us, doesn't it? It lets the other players perform better as well, creates more space for us. But it's a complete mystery. Why? Well, as you touched on those rumours about his relationship with Lenny and why that's happened, but surely both parties had to go over that. You know, we were struggling for what? We didn't have options. Yeah. He's an option. Was it? Would it be that bad to give him 10, 15 minutes see what he can do towards the end of the game. You know, geez, when the government decided it wasn't three players, it was 13, we were out without because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Why was it not back, at, not back into the full thing? Yeah, the, the, it's a mystery. That, that's a big one for me though, Lawrence. When that decision was made and we had to play so many younger players, um, you know, we had the games against Hibs and Livingston, which we covered on Axon. <laughs> Some of those players weren't ready. And that's a sad indictment as well of the way that we have been developing players because we should have been given some some of that game time. And you look at the nine-in-a-row era of absolute domination domestically and we should have been 
identifying games where we were able to develop some of these players. And I think it was not never more evident than in those two games following the Dubai uh, fiasco that we do not have players who are first-team ready. We should have a lot more players who are first-team ready. Um, Dembele being a prime example, have we lost him? I'd love to see a manager coming in and resurrecting his Celtic career because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was one of the, the ones to watch. And I'm talking European football lists, Lawrence. All, all over the world they're talking about Dembele, you know, and there's a potential that he'll end up leaving us for now. Yeah, you know, we lost some of our better players to, to Bayern. I think it probably goes back to, you know, what's our targets? We've t- talked about this, you know, McCann came in. Perhaps it was easier for him to say, this is my five-year targets. I'm going to build a 60,000-seat stadium. I'm going to put the club in a good financial footing. You're going to be competing again at the top of Scottish football. But what are the club's targets? I think the Emirates came out and said, ah, oh, it's just to improve on last year. You know, well, it's right. how are we going to measure that? Do we actually go down and go, well, we're wanting homegrown players four to get at least you know so many minutes between them in a season do, do we have anything like that because if we don't you know if I'm not aiming for it it's probably a good reason why we're not hitting for it mm. you know whereas if you know you're three and a lot I think I got a bit of criticism in the Motherwell game when I was saying look get sorrow on now you're a three and a lot away Motherwell don't go push for another goal we're going to need to see what the uh, Backup players can do, and at three 0 that's kind of you know you're three up. It's a good chance to put younger players or players that are your second string and see what you can do. But Celtic don't seem to have been doing that for some some time now. And is it a lack of targets that we're giving to managers? Well, part of their desire is to run a great youth program. Mm. That's to produce players for the first team, and we know there's that gap. There's no reserve league. Well, what are we going to say to the manager? We're looking you for you to get so so many youth team players or homegrown players so many minutes. Or do we just say that we're going to have all these youth players, but they're not actually targeted with getting them into the team? Just use them if you want, or don't use them. Doesn't really matter. It's a frustration for me because the best example of being given the opportunity to bleed them in has been the nine years previous to this season, Lawrence, whereby there were many, many games that once the games are won uh, or you've won the league uh, with X amount of games to spare, you've start giving these guys minutes. I mean, Stephen Welsh, I'm a big fan of Welsh and I've spoken about that time and time again on Axom, but I don't think when he was thrown in, he was ready for it. I actually don't think, I think he's played his way into the team and he's got stronger as the season's gone on. But by the time he was thrown in against Rangers, at the beginning of the season, Lawrence, he should have had more more game times in, in his legs. And, you know, that, that for me, was a prime example of it. Definitely. I think his first game could have probably adrenaline got, got, got through. That's two or three games. He was a wee bit off it. I think it's adjusting to your face of first-team football. He was just a bit rabbit the headlights at the time. You know, he was caught out of position a couple of times. So, you know, you're never going to experience it unless you experience it. And you've touched on it yet, but the league's won. Let's put the players in. Look at KT when he came in under Ronnie. Mm. You know, he wasn't starting starting the under teams, but he got his chance, and he grabbed it with both hands. Yeah, there could have been other players in that situation that we don't know about. And unless we've got some kind of development plan for them, instruction for them, listen, if that league's one, step up the amount of minutes these guys are getting on the park, or you know, in games where you have three goals to the good, now you need to be looking to get. 
some of the younger boys on and, and see what they've got, see what mm. they've got about yeah, you're right. And I, again, people go on about the Kieran Tierney situation and sometimes refer to Andy Robertson. I think the one that frightens me a wee bit is uh, how close we came to actually losing Callum McGregor. You know, McGregor yeah. was given his debut at 21 from Ronnie Dyler. By that time, he had spent some time at Notts County. During that period, Celtic got a bid from Carlisle. We were almost ready to sell him. Ronnie Dyler comes in, resurrects his Celtic career. And I'm kind of hoping that, you know, uh, Dembele's career at Celtic isn't over yet. I hope that a new manager can come in uh, and revitalise some players like Dembele. I'd, I'd love it to happen with Ayer, you know, but I'm almost resigned to the fact that he'll he'll leave. I, I don't hide my admiration for Big Chris Ayer on the podcast, even though many people disagree with me. But bringing in some more of the comments, John Paul Connors club has no control over fan media. That's why they won't engage. That's potential. Uh, that's, there's potential truth in that. I think that um, had they engaged a wee bit earlier, then you know it would have been much much easier now uh, to you know continue with that engagement because they you know they've already opened it up I mean there were so many different things that could have been done in the past uh, Lawrence you know getting the the engagement from some of the brilliant platforms that are out there if you want to talk about kind of control on the media I suppose it comes down to a media plan and strategy you can open it up to fan media as long as you brief the guys that are going on it and going look this is what's likely to come up and these are the scenarios and this is the way we want it to be done. But it, it seems that Celtic don't have any of that kind of planning unless it's the marketing strategy. You, you know, they definitely don't have any kind of fan communication strategy. They could control a conversation with fan media, I'm sure. You, you, you know, they've got some uh, well-paid PR executives at, at the club that should be able to do that. But they don't even seem to want to take that risk, which is, which is crazy. Like, you know, let's be honest, you know, fan media is largely amateur. These guys are professionals. It, 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 it should be meat and drink for them to come on and control a conversation or control a dialogue and get a message across. See, the big thing for me, it, it could be something really simple. Um, we interviewed back in the days where we were doing our um, podcast from the Tollbooth studio in Stirling. Lawrence had interviewed a, a staff member at uh, Celtic who works for the media team. And afterwards... I just basically asked, what can you do? What can you do to get us involved in some form, shape or form? And he offered, um, why don't you come in on match day and bring your camera and follow us around and it's like a fly in the wall. And I thought, aye, brilliant, we'll do that. And, you know, it just never happened, even though we followed it up. So there was a, there was a lot of things we could have done. I always thought it would have been good alternative commentary. Imagine having an alternative commentary, but you know you're actually vetting the the people who are on it because you're bringing on some you know someone who already yeah. has a platform, um, and then one week you have one of these Celtic podcasts. I think yeah, you know because you're going to bring a different perspective to the table. Uh, but there would need to be guidelines, of course there would, and yeah, although they can't control you if you were going to appear on their their channel, there would need to be a level of that, especially if it was live, uh, Lawrence, because you see some of the things that comes in when we're live and. By the way, I'm not here uh, to deliberately disagree with anyone, but uh, when it comes to criticism, I think it's fair to respond to that. And, um, you know, this hasn't been basically a platform for everybody to come on and just moan and be negative for the sake of it. Um, when we look at the Rangers game, I'm going to throw a couple of options at you then, Lawrence. You tell me what you think we should go for, not what you think is going to happen. Um, will Barkas make an appearance? Uh, don't think he will. Well, I'll go with Barkas or Hazard. Probably I'll go with Hazard. I think uh, 
yeah, we've got to kind of show some faith in our youth development. Hazard, he's shown his can be a wee bit weak at cross balls, but you know, he was a hero of the cup final, saving penalties, good shot stopper. He's got to wonder what he's really done wrong to be out of the team. But for me, I don't see Bain as the long-term Celtic number one. I don't know if Bain would be happy staying only as number two next season. And I don't know what benefit it would be to Celtic at some point. We've, you know, we've got Hazard who's the commander reasonably well. You've got David Hayes Granson, Angelini. He's got to be looking at a pathway. He's got to be looking, well, there's corner above me. He went in and done well. He's not the picture anymore. The last I heard about Angelini was he was on his way to Brighton. Um, so talking uh, talk about a pathway you know there's another young talented player Lons. Uh but thanks for your comment John Paul Connors another couple of um, potentials which actually I'm not expecting to happen um, centre forward I keep hearing how Eddie turns up for the big games Eddie has barely turned up this season I mean let's be honest about it right um, so up front do you give Griff or a Yeti a start do you think I'd start Griff and a Yeti mate. you play the two of them oh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 bench Eddie Bench Eddie, yeah. Bench and, uh, French Eddie. Yeah, see how he likes it, mate. Yeah, and it might be an inspired substitution late in the game, but you know, maybe it's a, well, it's too late for a wake up call for, for us. But you know, get Griff on, who's got three days in his contract left for Celtic to activate the the twelve month twelve month option we've got. Mm. Who will make that decision? Who knows? But I, right. I haven't started too up, mate. Yeah. That, now that's a question I'm going to ask you. The final one about the lineup uh, is all around the the fullbacks. I always remember that kind of joke. Again, I'm going to name check the not the view because I loved the fan scene back in the day. Uh, I was a subscriber for years, and the the big question was, is he a left back? And then I remember then people using that many many years later when we were struggling for a left back. Is he a left back? Every time yep. we were linked to anybody. Look at some of the fullbacks that have left us recently, right? So we've just heard um, that yet another player in Manny Perez has signed for Portland Timbers and he's instantly been loaned out to Austin FC Elhamid of course is already away Hapoel Beersheva Frimpong's away to Bayer Leverkusen Andrew Gutman's away to Atlanta United and um, you look at the situation at the fullbacks Lawrence none more so uh, was it clear to me that uh, our fullbacks just aren't good enough than the Rangers game where they beat us 2-0 uh, like Salt and Kenny loan deals yeah quite happy if they get sent back who starts against Rangers? Yeah I, I would start Taylor I would start Diego getting a Celtic shot after some of his antics uh, and, and the effort he was putting in uh, in the last Rangers game um, I would probably go beating Welsh in the centre and Ayer at right back for me. You've, you've been advocating Ayer at right back for a long, long time. But going back to that transfer business still happening, obviously Clamalla, which is one of the stories on the Celtic website as well. Uh, we've sold Clamalla. <laughs> um, that's how, so the, the deals are still taking place. Uh, you know, in, a, in an ideal world, the new income manager would have some kind of overview or saying it, but it doesn't seem as though we're at that stage with the manager. Now, Lawrence, I've said this a few times, it's a Celtic podcast, but we do get fans from other clubs coming in to make comments. Um, now, I remember, you know how sometimes when you're on YouTube and you, you get linked into another video and before you know it, you're watching a conspiracy documentary about Paul McCartney dying in the 1960s. I watched this documentary and it was about the Mandela effect. Now, somebody earlier on in the comments mentioned Nelson Mandela. Uh, are you familiar with the Mandela effect, Lawrence? 
explain it to me. I remember Glasgow named uh, Nelson Mandela Place after him, which had yes. the African embassy on it. Yeah. yeah now, the, the interesting thing about the Mandela effect, right, and, and there is a relevance to this. I'll get to the relevance in a moment, and it's all about fans of other clubs coming to join us. The Mandela effect, right, is that there's all these people they reckon it's either false memories, right, or there's been a wee glitch in the matrix, and some conspiracists actually believe that it's humans travelling from the future to change events, and that's why some people remember Nelson Mandela dying when he was in prison, and we all know that that didn't happen, we all remember him being freed, etc, etc, and there was few, a few other examples of this, Lawrence, so they reckon that the lyrics to the Queen's songs, we are the champions of the world, um, you know, it doesn't actually say of the world, but people remember it as that. And then there's logos that people remember as being a certain logo, but it wasn't that. So people have differing memories of songs and events, etc. And I think that when we get this kind of message, I wonder if this is a Mandela effect, because people seem to have forgotten the death of a club in Scottish football, Lawrence. And I'm trying to be as fair as I possibly can that these false memories are basically just a glitch in the matrix. Mate, I don't think it's false memories. People will season anything that backs up their beliefs. So uh, and if it misconstrues it, they'll twist it just to back up the belief. So, uh, and I think everyone does it. You know, I think kind of, if you look at Johnson and Trump supporters, it's what they do. They seize on the things that, that back their beliefs and just block out the things that don't back their beliefs. They, they didn't happen, mate. You know, it doesn't suit me, my beliefs, so it didn't happen. It's... You know, I, I think everyone knew, knows they died. You know, the definition of a club was pretty straightforward under SFA articles and under UFA articles. You know, the club and the owner operator were the same thing. You know, but it's an association of football clubs. It's not an association of companies that own and run football clubs. You know, there was kind of no debate about it. You know, I suppose that's why there was the big. But there's so many but there's so many people remember them as being the same, one and the same, and this event didn't happen. Lawrence, and I'm putting it down to the Mandela effect. I think the truth has to come out eventually. You know, this is all down to future. This is this is humans travelling from the future, isn't it? That's more believable than some of the nonsense I'm hearing here. They remember it they remember it happened. They remember marching, you know, to Hamden <laughs> to put a petition through a door that didn't have a letterbox. They remember all of that. They just chose to block it out. It's just a bit painful, a bit raw for them. You know, and, you know. Listen, there's no shame in the club dying because they were cheating Her Majesty's tax revenues. And if they believe Hugh Adam, it goes back to the, the late 80s, early 90s, former director of Rangers came out and said they'd been cheating since that time. And obviously, the SFA took no action uh, when Adam made that statement. And perhaps if they had, you know, they might have stopped it going so far. John Paul, we're having a wee bit of fun. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Celtic have been absolutely atrocious this season, and uh, whoever wins the league, you know, it's on Celtic. That's absolutely. You know, during during the season though, um, I, when people were getting so hung up about Castori gear and all that, Lawrence, I wasn't interested in that because, you know, you just keep your own backyard in order, and we didn't do that this season. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but talk about winning leagues. That the women's are away to forfeit. They're all five points off the pace. They're away to forfeit. They're still in with a chance there. So, you know, big game for them. The big thing for me, last point, and I'm glad you brought it up, the women's football. Axel are kind of new to the game. We've got some tremendous female uh, presenters and contributors. And we've covered a couple of games now, Lawrence. You've been involved in that. I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
I've said before, my favourite player is Sarah Teargarden. I think she's absolutely tremendous as a player. Yep. Uh, and we, we figured out that there's a link to John Harks, who almost signed for Celtic in the 1990s. Uh, yep. But the big thing I'm thinking of, you know, if Celtic women's finished second in the league this season, they're in the Champions League. Now, how tremendous would it be next season when we're back, when we're back in the grounds, if the, the home legs of the Champions League for the women's team were played at Celtic Park, Lawrence? I think that would be brilliant. Mate, got to be done. Got to be done. If nothing else, we'd get to use the disco lights twice as much as we'd planned. You know, I, I think, you know, part of it, having Brendan's Deso pitch is that it can handle you know a, a higher number of games. We saw it kind of Cape Park at the weekend. Surface wasn't so good for them. Don't know why it hadn't been watered before before the game against Hibs. Uh, it was really sticky. Compare that against kind of the Glasgow Derby when they were playing at Paradise. Mate, it, you know, it was definitely a lot better for Celtic to play on that natural grass surface. Well, you know. If we do get the disco lights, I also want Russell to wear that white blazer. I might get one myself because my last jacket was slagged off for coming from Matalan, let's be honest. If we get the disco lights out, Russell might even get invited to do the alternative commentary and interview Fran Alonso after it. Hey. That's the thing dreams are made of. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for the comments. We're having a bit of fun there. We're actually laughing at ourselves. Celtic fans have always been good at self-deprecating humour. Lawrence Connolly, and uh, that's not going to change on the axon. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube discussions. All your comments are welcome. And thank you very much once again, Lawrence Connolly, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.